This episode of Seniors Today is brought to you in part by DuPage Medical Group. Seniors Today, a talk show focused on what seniors and their families need to know to live their very best lives. I'm Denise Vaughn, the administrator at HomeWatch Caregivers Home Care, and with me is my co-host, Alan Hoffman from Oasis Senior Advisors. Staying healthy has always been a number one concern for seniors, especially now through the COVID-19 pandemic. While there's no shortcuts to staying healthy, there are things we all can do to help manage our health and reduce our risk of becoming ill. Joining us today is Matthew Phillip, an internal medicine specialist with DuPage Medical Group. He is also the primary care point person for the group's COVID-19 task force. We also have joining us as our senior guest, Frank Blood, who has been a caregiver for his wife. He's run his own business, and he's currently working at Harbor Chase Senior Living. Welcome, everybody. Great to be here. Thank Good you. afternoon. Hello. Well, I have to ask first, Dr. Phillip, can you tell me a little bit about what you're doing on the COVID-19 task force? That's not something that would have typically been in a physician's practice. So what are you guys working on? Well, we've been, we've been watching closely the COVID-19 crisis. Uh, so we started meeting in January just in the in the in case that it would come to america and unfortunately it did and starting early march we had daily meetings evening meetings looking at best practices around the world trying to incorporate that to keep our patients safe and had to make some key decisions like staying open even when um, you know other health systems may have chosen to close outpatient practice we were really weighing out those decisions of balancing other healthcare needs of patients with decreasing the risk of spreading uh, the coronavirus and so uh, we're constantly updating. There's new information coming out seemingly every day. So that's what we're focused on. Well, I imagine it's changed a little bit on how you um, all run your practice. I know um, with my clients, there's an uptick in uh, the clients who would like to do telemedicine visits. So are you seeing that across the board? Yeah, absolutely. Our, our telehealth visits, our video visits have increased 9,000% already compared to all of last year. And we're actually realizing that this has been an opportunity to implement a lot of innovation. We've had homebound patients who really struggled to get in with transportation issues. And now being able to do video visits, it's, it's, it's filled a gap for a lot of our patients, which has been great. Frank, uh, social distancing is now part of our vernacular. Um, how has social distancing affected your day-to-day -day activities, not only as a senior with your fun activities, but with your work? COVID-19 has really put a, I mean, we've done a complete 180 um, with my friends. I haven't seen them in a long time. And uh, video conferencing isn't really that uh, pleasurable. There's nothing like being with your friends. And there's nothing like enjoying a breakfast out with them and so forth. Uh, and at work, um, we have to have our temperature taken every day before we go in. We're required to wear the face masks. This is all WHO and um, uh, IDHP, uh, Illinois Department of uh, Public Health uh, guidelines. We have to follow all of them, and it's it's very strange. At first, I was having a real problem with social distancing because 
I was forgetting about it. It was yeah. just uh, very hard to get used to. I would walk up to people and then I'd back away and then I'd realize, oh, that's right, I'm supposed to back away. And now it's kind of a natural thing. I walk the dog a lot. And uh, uh, so if I see somebody coming down the sidewalk, I'll just head over to the curb and, and don't think twice about it now. It's, it's become a way of life. And uh, no, I'm Frank, not sure Frank. I like it. <laughs> it's, it's, it's against everything I've ever done, but it, it, it is safe. And it, the main thing is that we stay safe and healthy. I'm with you. Uh, Zoom meetings are not the same, and I'm kind of becoming a little tired of them. I'm ready to get back to normal. Mm. Anyway. I know I was going to say I'm a hugger, so this is really hard <laughs> for me. Not only am I not in person with people, but when I am, I have to hold myself back, and I think that'll be a little bit different, which you know, kind of brings me to the next uh, question I really wanted to ask, you know, Dr. Phillip, because I think Frank brought up a good point of balancing kind of, you know, what he needs to do to stay healthy versus also the social needs people have. Can you speak to that a little bit on especially what our seniors can do to, to really manage both parts of, of wellness? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when we think about wellness, you really want a holistic view. You want to think about the mind, body, and soul. And so social interaction is such a key part of what helps us to be well. There was a study, um, there were actually dozens of studies that have shown that the more social interaction we have, the better it is for us. And that as people become more isolated, premature death can actually increase by 50%, um, as much as smoking 15 cigarettes a day. And, um, and so we really want to balance being safe from coronavirus, but also not hurting our overall health. And I think there are several ways we can do that. Yeah, what comes to mind? Well, we, thankfully, a lot of studies have come out just even in the last couple of weeks where they show that there are several things that decrease the risk dramatically. So in terms of social distancing, you know, I think sometimes people think that that means not seeing people, but all that means is keeping a little bit of separation as you see people. So there was a study that came out of Lancet um, about last week ago that you can decrease your risk um, for contracting coronavirus by about 80% by keeping six feet away from people. Hmm. The benefit starts at three feet, then it increases to six feet. And then even if when you go to nine feet, it, it decreases by that 80% or more. Wearing a mask, even that double cotton mask decreases your risk by 60%. Frequent hand washing by another 50%. And, uh, and meeting outside is better than inside. Sunny days better than cloudy days. And so, you know, it's, they're beautiful days outside. So going for a walk with a friend is a great time to alleviate stress and, and get some fresh air. That is such a relief to hear you say that really the, the distancing um, really does contribute so much to preventing the spread. Because I think, you know, one of the things that comes up with our seniors is masks are uncomfortable. You know, they're very hard to wear. They're hard to wear all day. So for example, you know, whether if somebody um, is in their home and there's a caregiver there, you know, we're asking that both people wear masks all day. And that's a hard thing. But you know, if I'm hearing you correctly, and as we keep learning more, the social dis the distancing, the physical distancing could be more helpful than we originally thought. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, all of those ways of decreasing your risk, they add on top of each other, but the number one way of decreasing your risk is that distance. Um, that's been, that's up to 80% decrease right there um, from 17% to about 3%. And then the masks do give you an additional 60%, the hand washing another 50%. And so, but if you stack those together, you can get your absolute risk really low 
And so you can really tailor a plan for the individual case. Some people, because of breathing troubles, really struggle with a mask. But there, there are other creative ways we can keep them healthy and, um, and, and happy as well. Dr. Phillip, we know a lot of seniors have put off elective surgeries and even going to the doctor. Uh, any examples of how people have managed at home and when do you perceive uh, that people could resume uh, visits with doctors? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. I, I know we really agonized in early March about whether to shut down our outpatient practice or not. And uh, when we looked at the data, we decided to stay open. And we, we've just seen so many cases of finding patients with life-threatening blood clots or a new cancer diagnosis or congestive heart failure, that if, they, if we had waited the two or three months that you know, they could have died or, or had a really serious outcome. And so we realized that, that um, you know, healthcare spans a lot of things, that there's more than the coronavirus that people struggle with and the coronavirus is important, but I think it's really important to balance total risk with that. There have been studies that, that have come out that have shown that just as many, if not more people have died from uh, avoiding elective care or needed care. And so you really want to do both. And I think what we found is there are ways of being safe while having an outpatient um, evaluation. We do video visits as well, but there are times where you, people need to be examined. They need to have blood tests. They need to have imaging. And so we've really tried to create sites that uh, anyone with cold symptoms go to those sites and anyone with, you know, who has no kind of cold or symptoms goes to other sites. And so we've split that completely apart. So there's no crosstalk between um, people who may have, may have coronavirus with people who don't. I was just going to say, I appreciate you sharing that because I think that part of the story is really underplayed in the media about the consequences of, of not doing those surgeries. I think it's important to hear. From Frank's perspective, you know, as a senior who may have needed to have checkups or have friends that needed to have checkups or had, you know, something that was bothering them, did you see some of your friends, you know, wait or delay their office visits or have concerns? Well, I was supposed to have a physical uh, in March, and uh, I'm due for my five-year um, uh, <clears throat> test. Uh, <that's, laughs> uh, it's just not happening yet. Uh, I have uh, dental work that's been postponed, um, and now I've just uh, received a note from the dentist last week that it's, it's okay to start continuing. So... Um, I'm quite anxious to get to that and, and quite anxious to take care of the things that uh, I usually take care of that keep, keep me healthy and, and make me comfortable that I am healthy. If you need a tooth, a tooth pulled, come to the driveway, I'll help you out. No, fortunately, I need some added in. <laughs> you know, no, that is something I think that uh, also, you know, really did, I think, surprise people as well was the delay in being able to have um, dental care as well. So mm -hmm. I think you brought up a, a good point. And it was almost interesting when the dentist's office were able to open and, and uh, you know, how busy then they were probably to get that all done because we've all got our appointments. The haircut was wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Phillip, uh, there's a lot of anxiety with seniors about when to call, when to go in, I think probably a significant portion of people probably end up doing nothing. You kind of made reference to the consequences of that. How, has, how have you or your group tried to alleviate some of that anxiety around uh, mostly seniors and calling or not calling or taking action? You know, there's, there's so much 
information and a lot of misinformation out there that instead of putting the pressure on people to try to figure that out, um, we just saying call first, that we would much rather have a conversation and say, hey, you know what, data just came out yesterday that you know, these, these are now new symptoms of coronavirus, or, or this is probably not. But if you need testing, hey, we have the best testing available. If you need, if your health is getting, you know, um, struggling in any way, well, let's nip it in the bud because, you know, stitch in time saves nine. And that, that really does hold, hold true. And so we're always saying err on the side of just calling and letting us know and reaching out. Don't try to figure it out on your own because, you know, I, I don't normally watch a lot of news, but I've, I've been watching the news just to see what people are exposed to. And your head spins because they'll say one thing and then say a completely different thing the next day. And it, it's confusing. Absolutely. And I think that's great advice for everyone is to just call. No, it's true. And I, and I think you brought up a great point about things changing so much. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. Of course, only real men finish the rustler. And breathe. I thought you said this was an intro class. Some situations in life call for a little sage advice, which is why we're physician-owned and led. DuPage Medical Group, we care for you. Seniors Today, where we're talking about seniors and health and wellness. So the, our, as we were thinking about the different things seniors are hearing and how it's affecting how they're living their everyday lives, thought maybe one of the things we might want to find out from Dr. Philip is where's the best source of information? Really, I mean, going to your, your doctor or uh, healthcare team is really the best source of information. Um, you know, unfortunately, uh, organizations that um, I had a high regard for growing up have kind of been all over the place with their um, recommendations. Uh, uh, and and uh, there's a lot of conflicting evidence and, and information out there. And so I think that your healthcare team would be the best place to go to. That's good to know. I think especially because we're hearing different things every day as the research changes and um, so I think you're right you know really having someone focus on you know you as a patient would be the best thing um, I think you know Frank have you noticed uh, as far as the fact that you work in a senior facility what are some of the changes that the, um, the community has made to keep the residents safe well, it's pretty much uh, uh, a lot uh, no one is uh, allowed to go out if uh, if a resident does need to go to the doctor they're uh, when they return, it's a 14-day quarantine. Uh, they have, residents have to take their meals uh, in their rooms, uh, and uh, they're all delivered. 
the any uh, even now under the uh, phase uh, two or three, I, I'm not sure where we are. Uh, what the number is is there still have to keep the six foot distancing with the masks on, um, and uh, 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 no residents are allowed to receive visitors uh, inside the community. We do have uh, two rooms set up where. Uh, the resident can go to the window uh, and talk to the screen and the family sits six feet away from the window in a chair and they communicate that way so they're close by but it's uh, there's no personal contact and it, and it's sad but it's necessary and, and everybody understands it and it's going well I'm surprised that the uh, the general overall attitude is very positive it's no one no one seemed to complain too much so it's quite, it's quite a bit different than it was before. Dr. Phillip, on break, we uh, were talking with you a little bit about what would you like people to know? So I think one of the interesting uh, statements that I heard you make was about the future of COVID. Can you speak to what you'd like people to know? Well, you know, since we, we've come a long way already, you just even in these last few months, and I think people can can look at the future and say, oh, it's going to be like this just, you know, for who knows how long. But new treatments are coming out all the time. And as that data is coming out, new treatments are available and hopefully a vaccine, you know, sometime soon. Uh, I think all of those things are going to help us to get back to enjoying the things that we would like to do. But even right now, there, there are a lot of ways to still, you know, in, be independent and engage with society and your loved ones. One of the things you had mentioned was that caught my attention was about there could be more waves of COVID. Can you speak to that? Well, when we look at pandemics that have happened before, they generally come in two to three waves. Um, we're seeing even right now, so we've internally, we've, we were projecting um, a second wave happening over the next uh, month or two. And um, not ne necessarily in the Chicagoland area, but just, you know, nationally. Um, so that, that was our projection um, as of middle of May, and that those have been moved up where we're seeing 22 states with rising number of corona cases. Whether that's a, a continuation of the first wave or the beginning of a second wave is maybe debatable. But I think what's clear is, is that generally human nature is such that once we get past a wave, people get overconfident. They start mm -hmm. relaxing on doing some of the simple, consistent things to prevent a future infection, and then second and third waves happen. And that, that's, that's just human nature. And so I think we should prepare for that and, and plan to Frank, a uh, question for you, mm -hmm. looking at, at this, you know, to the future, uh, not that you have fears about it, but what concerns do you have about COVID moving forward? Well, I am concerned. I, uh, I'm concerned when too many people are walking around without their masks on. I think it's a little premature. Uh, as uh, Dr. Uh, Philip was just talking about, uh, I'm more of a cautious person, but I'm not afraid of it uh, so much as I just have to be aware and cognizant of the fact that I still need to do the hand washing, I still need to do the social distancing, wear my masks, uh, and so forth. It's just something I need to do. It's it's a discipline. It's a it's a sacrifice and a discipline, but. Overall, um, I think the end result is going to be better for myself and better for my community. 
So Frank, I really liked how rational you're thinking about the things that you'll need to do to stay safe. And I think it is really interesting. I said I was, was laughing at all the memes when there were all these memes about hand washing, which that's something, you know, we start with our kids telling them to wash the hands. You hope that that sticks. It sounds like masks will be something that we do for a while. I love that Dr. Phillips educated us on how important the physical distancing was. I think I really wanted to learn from Dr. Phillip a little bit more about some of the, I'll say, um, very vigilant things or things people are doing. So for example, you know, there are people now that when they go to the grocery store, they come home and, you know, they're wearing gloves when they're at the grocery store. And then when they bring everything home, they're washing them. And um, can you kind of give us your thoughts about some of the, um, you know, really vigilant things people are doing and if that's something they need to keep doing? Because I do feel that it's causing a lot of anxiety when people are so worried about some of these things. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I was talking to some of our patients about just how much time they're spending wiping everything down and, you know, mm -hmm. uh, coming back home and taking a shower as soon as they get in the home and, and things of that nature. And, you know, I, I appreciate the vigilance, but the good news is that as we're getting more data, we're realizing what we can focus our efforts on. And rather than trying to do everything well and realizing that's not sustainable, we can do a few things really well uh, that can carry us through this. I think that would be helpful. So for instance, uh, only about 6% or less of cases have come from contacting something. So contacting a surface and then getting coronavirus. And so uh, I think it's reasonable to wear gloves. And then when you come home, instead of wiping everything down, well, research has shown that coronavirus does stay on surfaces for 48 hours. Even in hot, humid environments, it can stay for about six hours. But when it's exposed to sunlight, it can only survive for about six minutes because it's an RNA virus. So it's very susceptible to ultraviolet radiation. And so doing your shopping on a sunny day and leaving the groceries out for 10 minutes in the sun I mean, that can do it. And actually, there's some studies that show that it may actually boost some of the nutrients and some of the, the produce. So for instance, uh, mushrooms increases vitamin D content when it's exposed to the sun. And so there comes quick, easy things that can take a lot of the pressure and burden off people and can keep it more sustainable. Well, that's great to know. I know uh, we were thinking in home care about how we would use UV lights to um, keep everything clean. And I love the thought that the, the research is showing that that could be helpful because that is a way, almost a, a way to do it without so much work and effort and still to be able to have some benefits. That's great to know kind of the first time I've, I've actually heard that that would be something that would be valuable. So that's great. Any uh, final statement, Dr. Phillip, that you'd like Pete to share with people before we wrap up? Yeah, I think, I think my final statement is, you know, we need to figure out ways of, of living our lives instead of figuring out what we can't do. I think there are a lot of things we can do and we can maintain our social interaction, which is so critical to our health and well-being. We can, um, you know, look out for one another and promote feelings of wellness as we ride this through. And I, I would just encourage people to um, reach out to the healthcare providers, um, get the data that, that's going to be helpful for them. And, and look for ways that they can maintain their independence, maintain their relationships while staying safe. And the good news is more and more data is coming out that we can do that. We can do that safely with wisdom and discernment, but also while maintaining the relationships that are, we hold so dear. Well, and I know that was gonna be our final statement, but when you do talk about relationships that are so dear, I really did wanna talk about 
families and grandparents being with their, you know, their kids and their, their grandchildren. Because I know from our senior population that we take care of, really people have been on hiatus. Um, and they're actually trying some things that are creative. Like, I think we've been helping with a lot of iPads and some social media and some FaceTime. But, you know, is it is it now at the point where people can can be with their families if they follow some of the key guidelines you mentioned earlier? Yeah, absolutely. Especially if we can do it outdoor. There've been there's been very few cases of spread that has happened outdoors, just because you have to think about how much virus you're getting in a certain period of time. And when you're outdoor, it disperses so widely, especially on sunny days where the sun deactivates it pretty quickly. So you can spend time with your grandkids. You can socially distance outside, especially with this beautiful weather we're happening having because there's such a limitation on you know just having a conversation via phone or iPad and things of that nature. There's something about being there in person, um, even if we're just a little bit further apart. Um, so I, yeah, absolutely, there are ways of doing that. And plus, as we're doing contact tracing, they're seeing very few outbreaks happen from um, you know early childhood schooling. There's actually only been one clear case of an outbreak from an early childhood education uh, kind of an, an environment. And as more data comes out, we may realize that, that children aren't as, as big of a vector of transmitting this as we initially thought. So stay tuned for that. Oh, that's so good to hear, because I think a lot of parents were so worried that their young, you know, young children would be really potentially harming you know, their grandparents, because it's very hard to tell a child not to hug their grandparent. And so um, I think that that's going to be good news. And I, I really love everything that you've been able to share um, that's been so positive. Um, especially the hugging. I, I think the handshake uh, may have gone by the wayside, but it, it sounds like we can keep some distance and then, you know, maybe a hug without uh, spreading some germs might still be okay. <laughs> well, I want to thank you all for being here and for such good conversation and really sharing, I think, Frank, what some of your concerns have been. And Dr. Philip, for all the research that you and your group are doing, uh, I feel so much calmer. Um, with all of the conversation and Alan, thank you so much for helping us think through all the things we need to be concerned with. And to our audience, thanks for watching Seniors Today.